1: You're listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm your host, J.J. Lee. Welcome back. This is a special bonus episode. I mentioned on Wednesday's episode when we were doing the, uh, when I was grading you guys' mock drafts from Twitter, that if you wanted to hear more of those, because we ran out of time after just a few of them, that, uh, you know, go ahead and shoot me a message and let me know. Uh, there was a demand for more epi- uh, more uh, mock draft reviews, so that's all we're doing today. So if that does not sound interesting to you, then you go ahead and tune back into Cheese and Packers on Wednesday when we're going to have a couple guests on the show. I'm excited for that episode. We're going to have, first of all, Coach Hahn, a longtime Packernet and uh, Daily Cheese um, friend of the show. He's going to come on. We're going to talk about uh, uh, offensive line prospects in the draft. I sent him a big long list of uh, guards and tackles in particular that I want to uh, talk about. So he's been grinding film. That's going to be a super fun conversation. I also have uh, Shahan Jayaraja, who is a writer for uh, CBS and... Uh, one of the co-hosts of the college football survivor show, one of my all time favorite podcasts. Uh, He's going to come on and we're going to talk about um, a couple players in the draft as well that I think you're going to be interested in. So we're really looking forward to that uh, episode on, on Wednesday. Also have some more guests coming on in some future shows. Uh, two weeks from now, we have, um, Dean Deguara, that is, uh, Josiah Deguara's dad. That's scheduled for, yeah, two weeks from now. Um, so, uh, trying to get, uh, some other people to come on the show as well. Excited about all these. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Today, we're going to do more mock drafts, like I said, but <sighs> I had a weird experience today and I, I really, if I had not documented it. I actually recorded a video. I'm not sure I would believe that this had actually happened, so I'm going to tell you what happened. I've told you already uh, about my battle with with our cat because she meows in the morning. If you sleep past seven o'clock, she really works hard to get you to wake up, which is fine on a a weekday because I want to get up and get started at work anyways, but On the weekends when we're trying to catch up on some sleep. I don't know, man, I like to sleep in until eight or eight thirty. Like that's it's my Saturday. I'm gonna do whatever I want to with it. I don't need a stinking cat pestering me to wake up. So she was this morning, like usual, and my wife really needs her sleep right now. So when the cat starts meowing at six fifty in the morning, I get I got up and uh, you know, tried to deal with this before my wife could wake up. I go out, I, you know, yell at the cat to go (laughs) leave us alone. And I'm, I'm wired. I cannot fall back asleep. I'm, I'm wide awake. And it, it occurred to me, I thought maybe if I change my environment, I might be able to fall back asleep. So I went into the guest room, laid down on the bed in there, closed my eyes. I'm trying to fall asleep. And I, hear this noise. It's just this methodical thud, 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 thud.
0: What the heck is
1: that? (laughs) I, like, turn around, look out the window. I, I don't see anything going on outside that this could be. I lay back down, it's quiet for a minute, and then thud, 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 thud. finally came to realize my... The the guest bed is right up against the wall. I mean, it's like there's like a just a millionth of an inch gap in between the bed and the wall. And those thuds are exactly in rhythm with my heartbeat. I was so floored by this that I you know, grab my wrist. I'm like taking my pulse. And I'm feeling this. I'm laying as still as possible because every time I move at all, you know, the bed is like thumping against the wall. I'm holding as still as possible with my, uh, my finger on my pulse and the thuds of the bed against the wall were exactly in rhythm with my heartbeat. I, I <laughs> it wasn't like my heart was going crazy fast or anything either. I just, I I think it really just was that close that just the tiniest little jostle. But I mean, how weird is that, though? Because like if you if you put your hand on like my shoulder, would you be able to feel my heartbeat? Probably not. So I don't know. It it was so weird. Let me know if you've ever heard of anything happening like that before. (laughs) Uh, If you want to help me, um, if you want to help support me so I can go talk to a uh, therapist Get some psychiatric help, because this stuff is probably all in my head. Uh, patreon.com forward slash JJ Lahey. J-J-L-A-H-E-Y. Uh, that's also my Twitter handle, JJ Leahy. Um, got some fantastic questions from people. People have still been sending me mock drafts, even though I said the contest was over forever ago. Uh, I think I ended the contest Tuesday Afternoon, and, and people are still sending in mock drafts, and I'm having fun looking at them. Uh, been a lot of new players that I have learned of and had reason to go start studying, watching some of their tape, reading uh, draft profiles, scouting reports. And uh, a couple of players that I had talked about previously, and I had some follow up questions from people saying, Hey, you kind of mentioned in passing that you didn't care for this prospect, and you don't really have time to go into deeper detail, so um, I think one of the guys specifically, I think, was a uh, Abraham Lucas. Is that his name? Yeah, Abraham. I, I I knew for sure the last name was Lucas. I just I had to go double check the first name because how many Abrahams are there out there? Uh, so that was Mike who wanted to know about Abraham Lucas. So we're gonna dig into him. I. After after digging in a little bit deeper, I like him more than I initially did. Now, I'm not crazy about, you know, he went to Washington State, who does have three offensive linemen who have uh, made the All-Pro. Uh, now, all three of those were drafted in the 1930s, so I don't know how much stock you want to put in that. If you look at recent guys, uh, in 2019, the Eagles drafted Andre Dillard. He played a little bit in 2019. He was pretty bad. Did not play at all in 2020. I don't know if he was hurt or what. Uh, Then he did play again in 2021. And he was fine. He did uh, have seven penalties and allow one sack. Uh, His rookie season, 2019, he had uh, allowed four sacks. So not overly stellar uh, he had a 59 grade in his rookie season and then in 2020 he jumped up to a 60 not, not 2020 in 2021 he had a 69 so it's okay uh and andre was a first round pick he was drafted with a 22nd overall pick then we have uh john fullington was drafted in uh 2017. Uh, actually, he was an undrafted guy in 2017 and never played again after 2017. Joe Dahl was drafted by the Lions in 2016 in the fifth round. He played for them for four years. Uh, he was kind of more of a rotational guy a couple of those years. And then once his uh, rookie contract was over, the Lions did not bring him back and no other team picked him up. So then you have Zach Williams in 2012 was the only other... Sorry, 2011 was the only other uh, recent Washington State offensive lineman taken. And he looks like he never played a snap uh, ever. He was a Carolina Panther and he never played in a game. He was a sixth round pick. But don't worry, I don't just helmet scout. I did go ahead and watch two games of Abraham Lucas. I watched him against Oregon in 2021. And I also watched him against Washington. Uh, I thought about USC, but honestly, after two games I kind of had enough. Um, he's fine. I think that if you were to get him in like the fourth round, he'd be great. I think he could be an NFL right tackle. I'm not sure that he would need to red shirt his rookie year. I think, I think in a pinch, if you don't have Elton, I think that Lucas could probably play for you. I think he's a much better run blocker than a pass blocker. I did, Witness him take on um, quite a few double teams and he seemed to handle them well. He's definitely got the strength. I got frustrated at times watching this six foot seven, 325 pound guy get pushed around. I felt sometimes, you know, like a relatively small edge rusher, might kind of make him take a few steps back. I, I didn't love that. Uh, makes me a little bit nervous for what happens when you're going up against some of the the really big monsters in the NFL. Particularly uh, since we're playing against the Vikings twice this year and they got uh, Zadarius and Daniil. Um, that might not be a matchup I'm looking forward to. But I don't know enough to say whether uh, he needs to improve his technique or if he needs to put on more muscle. He has the big frame and if our, if our uh, you know, Luke Buckus can uh, coach him up a bit, I think he could be fine. I think uh, fourth round, may you know, if you're the Packers, you might be taking him in the third round, uh, particularly since you have such a late pick. So if you took Abraham Lucas in the third round um, or the fourth round, I would be fine with it. I think that uh, Lucas is maybe one of the later tackles in this draft, kind of similar to Rashid Walker, who you could get in the third or maybe fourth round. And still expect them to be a starter this year. So um, I don't remember what I said about Abraham Lucas on Wednesday. I think I just kind of in passing said that I wasn't a huge fan of him. And I think that that mostly came from just number one, uh, kind of helmet scouting Washington State. But also I had seen some clips of him before where I'd seen him kind of get pushed back a bit. And it kind of just stuck in my memory. And this time when I was uh, specifically watching him against uh, Oregon and uh, Washington this year, that didn't jump out to me quite as much. So there you go. There's my updated, revised opinion of Abraham Lucas. I'd be excited about him. Uh, I would. Um, Just uh, there's other guys that I am also really excited about in like the second and third rounds. And if you can maybe wait and grab him or Rashid Walker in the fourth round, that would feel really good to me. So that's, there you go. There's my two cents. My favorite way to scout players is to look at the schedule they played over, um, you know, particularly over their, their final year in college, but maybe the year before if they were still a starter. Look at who the toughest opponent they had was. And, you know, then I just type in, uh, you know, Abraham Lucas versus Oregon. And somebody's got a cut up there of, you know, all the um, offensive snaps um, that I can watch and, and not have to sift through all the, <laughs> all the other garbage of, you know, announcer commentary, defensive snaps, special teams. Heck, I mean, even just the, you know, uh, run into the line of scrimmage and all that stuff. You just play after play after play you can get through a game in like 15 minutes doing that. So I, I really like doing that. All right, a couple other mock drafts. So here's one, this was sent to me by Jack. Uh, he did a three round mock draft and it, with his, uh, he traded up, let's see, how did he do this? Uh, he gave up uh, pick 28 and our first second round pick that we got from the Raiders and moved from 28 up to 14. Trading with the Ravens. Would the Ravens agree to that trade? I am skeptical that they would do that. If they would, I think that's pretty decent value. You're moving up 14 spots in the first round, it's only costing you uh, a late second round pick. I think I'm 100% okay with that. He used that pick to draft Drake London. Drake London, I think I pretty much have him neck and neck with Garrett Wilson as. My top wide receiver prospect in this draft, and I think that he is going to go around pick fourteen. You know, maybe a little bit later than that. Uh, if you're moving up and you're grabbing Drake, I'd be excited about that because the the one thing that you could really say about Drake versus Garrett, Garrett, I think, is a, a lot more polished in his skill set. Not to the, the degree that um, Chris Olave is. I think those those three players are kind of an interesting contrast to each other because with each one, if you look at Drake to Garrett and Garrett to Chris, um, each of these guys uh, are either more on the polished side or physically gifted. So I think Chris Olave is more physically limited than Garrett or, and, and certainly than Drake, who might be one of the freakiest freaks. Uh, In this draft class at wide receiver, you could, you know, throw out uh, Christian Watson if you want to. But but Drake is right there at the top of the list. And I think that when you look at like the production between these three guys, it's interesting to say that, you know, Drake, I think is rough around the edges in a lot of spots in his skill set. But he brings all these athletic talents to the game. And he's putting up real similar numbers to Garrett and Chris. So do you take the guy who's really, really good at his technique and limited physically and probably just kind of is who he is. Or do you take the guy whose form isn't that great, who has a lot that he can work on and improve in route running and that kind of stuff, stuff that you can teach, but he has all the physical tools. I think for that reason, Drake London makes a lot of sense. I would be beyond excited if we took Drake London.
0: Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase.
1: Jack then took Traylon Burks. He's doubling up in the first round at wide receiver. Now, when it comes to grading these mock drafts, you're getting just a massive heavy dose of my opinion. And my opinion is uh, I think wide receiver is a need, but it's not the only need. And so I don't super-duper love doubling up on wide receiver in the first round. Now, if we did it, would I be excited about it? Heck yeah, I would. However, I look at um, some of our other positions of need, you know, and like particularly when you look at edge rusher, which is admittedly not our top need, but it's a position where the talent drops off so quickly. You got a bunch of freaks in the first one to two rounds. And then after that, uh, the edge rusher talent, I think, is really mediocre. There's a couple guys who are uh, later in the consensus mock draft who, you know, I really like like Sam Williams. I'll be interested to see where they are taken by the NFL. There are certainly good edge rushers that are taken later on, but you know, a lot of the time the the really premium talent at edge is kind of identified and taken early. So, you know, is edge as big of a need as wide receiver? No, but I think that you can you can make the case that it's easier to find a good wide receiver later in the draft than a good edge rusher. Uh, let's see. So he took Drake London, Traylon Burks, definitely just really, really physical guys. Um, both of those are, the, the, both of those guys are really hard to tackle and bring down. He kind of got the AJ Dillon thing going on where anytime you watch these two dudes playing, every highlight includes it taking two or three or even four players on the on the defense working together to bring a guy to the ground, and I like that, especially with Drake London. Uh, with his first second round pick, he's taking our old buddy Abraham Lucas. I already talked about him. I like the I I, I I like the guy. Again, I don't super love taking him this early, but again, this is a, a situation where you're you are uh, drafting the physical tools that he brings and and the massive size at six foot seven. You're not going to find a lot of those guys later on the draft. So if you want him, you might have to take him early. All right. Now we get to his fourth pick in this draft. Uh, So this, so we we traded away uh, one of the first, sorry, one of the second round picks. So uh, the last pick here is in the third round. Now, admittedly, Jack, said he didn't know who to pick after the first two rounds. Uh, and I can believe that because Josh Johnson out of Tulsa was his pick. And this one came as far out of left field as as you can believe. So Josh Johnson out of Tulsa, if you are familiar with him, that makes one of us. <laughs> He's number 301 on the consensus pick board. Uh, He's from Tulsa, which is not a Power 5 school. They are in the American Conference. He is a 5'11", senior wide receiver. He's only 22 years old. That's nice, especially for him being a senior. Uh, But at 5'11", he's 183 pounds, definitely small. His RIS is 3.63, which is quite bad. He is actually... So uh, I said he's 301 on the consensus big board. He's 329 on CBS's board, but PFF has him at 143. Now, uh, Jack took him at pick 92 in the draft. So this is still 50 picks earlier than PFF would have taken him, which is uh, more than a full round. But I'm just curious, you know, what are some stuff, what are some things uh, that you can like about uh, Mr. Josh Johnson? So he did have, let me see here, I got a, okay, Josh Johnson's PFF grade was 75.6 last year. It's not terrible. Um, His run blocking grade was just a 56.8, which I'm not shocked about with him being a smaller guy. Uh, he did have eight drops in 2021, which I don't love to see his contested catch rate was exactly 50%, which says to me that he only had two, uh, contested catches thrown his way and he hauled one in. Whenever you see a nice round number like that, it usually means you're looking at something really small. He was targeted 125 times, uh, had 77 receptions. He played out wide just one percent of the time. He was a slot receiver ninety eight point five percent of the time. Average depth of target was eleven point seven yards, which makes sense if you are a uh, slot guy. He does have seven missed tackles, which is decent. I look at that; that's uh, above average overall. Uh, nothing here to get me excited. Uh, I would be a hard pass on Josh Johnson. I think even in like the fifth or sixth round. Um, but you know what? This is a player that was not on my on my list and uh, had the opportunity to go learn about him. And that was fun. So, Jack, uh, I'm going to give you uh, on the J.J. Leahy scale. I'm going to give you a C. Give you a C minus, which actually looks like that's what uh, PFF gave you as well. Uh, I like the Drake London pick a lot. I would have liked the Traylon Burks pick a little bit more if we hadn't already taken a wide receiver. Abraham Lucas is a player that I do like. I just didn't super love him that early, but I like that you're addressing the position of tackle so early. I think that's, that's a, a move that I really like. And then Josh Johnson... You know, if if he was, if you took him like in like the sixth round, I would have um, probably not adjusted the grade at all for that. But seeing that he's in the third round, that kind of brought it down for me a little bit. But that's fine. There are some really interesting and cool guys in rounds two through four, and even round five. I think that's really where the strength of this draft class lies. So, if you're looking for guys to be studying, I think that that's where the most interesting players are which is a big reason why I would like to trade back out of pick 28 and try and get some more picks from like 40 through 60. If we get two picks there, uh, I think that would be worth it to me to give up pick 28. Cause I just don't love the um really late first round and early second round talent. It just, it just seems to me like the exact same caliber caliber of guys as rounds uh, three and four. So for that reason, I'd like to take as many swings as possible there. So uh, seems like you have uh, keyed in on some early players that you really like, and, and I like your players as well. But for those kind of mid rounds, I think there's some really interesting studying to do there that you might enjoy. OK, here is uh, this is another Jack. This is Jack Lee, a uh, longtime friend on Twitter. Um, (laughs) so he took Tyler Linderbaum at pick 22. Tyler Linderbaum is a center. Now, my biggest beef with this pick is, of course, um, Josh Myers. And I'm not sure that Josh Myers has a role on the offensive line. If you don't put him at center, could he play at guard? Well, he kind of hasn't really ever done it. Not to say he's never taken any snaps at guard. Uh, but even back in 2019, he was already the starting center for Ohio State. He was their starting center all of 2020. Um, if you look at some of his limitations, because he, he's a big guy, really smart, uh, he was uh, the the captain of the offense for uh, at least the 2021 season for Ohio State. A uh, good leader. He and, and he's got some decent lateral mobility, which you like, but. I think that he lacks some speed, which makes me a little bit nervous about putting him at guard. I certainly would not remotely feel comfortable putting him outside a tackle. And for a second round pick, I don't want him a backup. I, I want I want him to be a starter somewhere. Um so if if you were you know the Packers really like running a wide zone uh offense. And Myers uh, limited quickness, I think, a bit hampers his ability to help out in that wide wide zone technique. If you're putting him outside of center, uh, I, th- I think I think he has the tools to be a really good center. Uh, even though he wasn't phenomenal in 2021, he's got like uh, what do you, functional athleticism. But he spent his entire career learning to be a center, and it is really different from being a guard. So I don't love kicking. Um, Josh Myers to guard and asking him to learn that position. So Tyler Linderbaum would certainly be an upgrade over Josh Myers, but with all of our other needs, do I want to take a center at pick 22? I really am not a fan of the, of the pick. I, you know, I, I don't think that wide receiver is a insanely urgent need, but I, I think it's a much bigger need than center. And if we're going to spend an early premium pick, on a position I want it to be a more valuable position than center, especially since we just took a center in the second round last year. So I think center for me is nearly off my board, um, in at least the early rounds. I, you know, if you take a sixth or seventh round center who can back up Josh Myers, I'm totally good with that. I do want to replace Lucas Patrick, uh, but with our first first round pick, I'm out. Uh, second first round pick, he takes George Pickens. Uh, y'all know I love George Pickens, certainly has a few red flags, but he is my wide receiver three in this draft class. I would be over the moon if we took him at 28 or even at 22. DeMarvin Leal at pick 53. First of all, the Packers love drafting guys out of Texas A&M. They have taken multiple guys uh, in the last decade, including at least one player under Gutekunst to He is one of the only defensive tackles who are projected to go in the first two rounds who does not have a nine RAS or higher. He's the only guy, uh, with the exception of, uh, let's see, Perrion Winfrey and Federian Mathis. Those two guys, we don't know what their RAS is. Um, but, for Trayvon Walker, Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, Boya Maffe Logan Hall, Travis Jones. Uh, those guys are all projected to go into the first two rounds. They all have the lowest RAS out of any of those guys is Travis Jones at 9.4. So you got a 9.99, a 10, 9.55, 9.9, uh, 9.81. And then DeMarvin Leal sticks out a little bit at 7.91. It's not terrible, but I think... Uh, it's a little interesting that he's the only one out of that group that doesn't have such a high RIS. And to me, the thing that would kind of jump out at me without doing any digging would just be to say if all these other guys ha- are kind of these freak athletes, and then you got DeMarvin Leal right in the mix there, he must be pretty good. He must be really skilled if he's being ranked with all these freak athletes. CBS has him as their 57th highest player. Uh, He's currently projected to go around pick 43. Uh, PFF has him a little bit lower at 59. The Draft Network has him as their 30th. So they have a first-round grade on him. He's 6'4", 283. Uh, Like I said, he went to Texas A&M. His grade uh, was 70.3, which is also the lowest out of all those guys I mentioned, uh, who's this guy who had a 59.7. That was perion Winfrey out of Oklahoma. Haven't been a big fan of him either. Um, but, uh, 70.3 is the lowest PFF grade. Uh, Trayvon Walker had a 71, four, which is also a very similar number. And then Jordan Davis was a 79.8. Everybody else is high eighties. Well, mid eighties, mid eighties are higher. What is um, DeMarvin exceptionally good at? Well, let's see. Pass rush. He had a 74.9, which is – puts him about average with that group of those first, second round um, defensive tackles. He had 37 pressures on 412 attempts, which is a little bit under 10%, but he's an interior guy, not an edge rusher, so – Uh, I don't know what the um, number you're shooting for is, but I think if it's like just south of 10%, I don't hate it. Nine sacks, 23 hurries, five hits, and a forced fumble. Uh, Coverage, I don't care at all about coverage. I think it's silly that they even put a coverage grade on defensive tackles. I think it's silly when teams drop defensive tackles into coverage. They do that sometimes. Uh, Mike... um, his name Patton. Mike Patton dropped Kenny Clark into coverage <laughs> versus the Buccaneers, and I about lost my mind. Run defense. This is the one I care about the most. The bummer for me here is that he has not just the lowest uh, run defense grade of anybody outside of Perion Winfrey, who, again, not a fan of Perion Winfrey. Um, it's not only the lowest, it's the lowest by a pretty large margin, including a poor tackling grade of 57. He has a missed tackle rate of 16.7%, which is higher than anybody else with the exception of our good buddy, Perrion Matthew. <laughs> Perrion is almost at 30%. I think I, think I said Perion Matthew. I meant Perion Winfrey. Um, at this point, I think if the Packers take Perrion, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> Uh, let's see he has 16 stops which is a um a run play that was a negative for the offense they lost yardage that is lower than anybody in that entire group it's also it's much lower than Perion Perion has a really this is the one area where his number is uh no I had uh, had Perion selected that whole time when I was talking about stops perions is the worst <laughs> DeMarvin didn't have 16 that was Perion Perion like he needs to go back to school. Uh, DeMarvin had 32 stops, which is the highest. So he's a, he's a run stopper. Um, you know his his run defense grade is not great, uh, but it is uh, just about the best thing he does. Uh, tackles he had more tackles than anybody else, uh, with the exception of who's this? Fedarian? Uh oh, this is Travis Jones. Travis Jones is a guy I like a lot. Now, he went to Connecticut, which is, again, not a power five school, Um, but uh, Travis Jones checks every other box with the exception of the school he went to, so I'm at least interested in in him. So DeMarvin Leal, I don't hate the player. I just, um, I would take him if the other defensive tackles were all off the list. So here are the guys that I'd be more interested in than DeMarvin uh, at that position. So first of all, you got Trayvon Walker, obviously. Uh, he is projected to be a top 10 pick. So you can kind of scratch him off your board. Devonte Wyatt, probably the most, most, um, sought after, uh, dude, according to, uh, Packers fans, Packers Twitter. Then you got Jordan Davis, another guy that it really is not expected to fall, to the Packers, uh, let me sort this by PFF grade because I'm curious. Yeah, Devontae Wyatt was the highest graded defensive tackle, and he was – I think I already said he's my uh, DT2. Uh, skip some of these guys at the small schools. Uh, Neil Farrell had the second highest PFF grade, but he had a 139 RAS, which is like – I mean, he's probably not – is he going to get drafted? I don't know. Uh he is uh pick 128 on the consensus big board. That seems high to me for a 139 guy. Logan Hall and Travis Jones are guys I'd rather have than DeMarvin Leal. Uh, I need to resort this by my original ranking so I can find my guys. Okay. Boy Mafe is the next guy, um, who I have right above DeMarvin. And I think that might be about it. I Isaiah Thomas and Haskell Garrett. Um, are the guys I have ranked just below DeMarvin, and I like both of the go- those guys a lot. Um, but Perrion Winfrey, I think, is like a basically a fifth-round pick in my mind. Not a fan of Perrion Winfrey at all. All right, so final grade for, where'd it go? Uh, for Jack. Oh, I can't give him a final grade. We're still in the second round. So then he took John Mechie. John Mechie, at the back of the second round, is a guy who I think, again, is really physically limited, but he's a really good route runner and has really good hands. For that reason, I think back of the second round makes sense for him. I think that's I think he's going to be a third round pick. Um, But when you are picking at the back of the second round, mm, you know, you're basically in the third round anyway. So I wouldn't hate the pick. Uh, I think that his limited athleticism maybe is a concern, especially since he's already had um, some injuries. That kind of thing tends to scare Goody away, which is why I think that my boy George Pickens might not really be on his list. Very high. Jeremy Ruckert in the third round. Now, I really like Jeremy Ruckert, but I have had to bump him down my list considerably. Uh, For a long time, Jeremy Ruckert was in my top three tight ends. Let me sort this by tight end. Tight end, not tackle. Okay. Jeremy Ruckert is my one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's my tight end eight. I have him just ahead of Jake Ferguson uh, and Chigazim Okwanku. There's some really good tight ends in this class uh, Isaiah Likely, Jelani Woods, Ch- Charlie Kohler. Uh, those are kind of my big three. I-, I think Trey McBride is also good, but I am not as over the moon about him as a lot of people are. I think in the third round, most of those tight ends are still on the board. So I like Jeremy Rucker and I just on a personal level would be really excited to see him with the Packers because I like Jeremy Rucker as a dude. I think there are some much more talented tight ends in this draft. Um, One of the big things I have against Jeremy is he has been hurt. And so he couldn't go to the combine and he couldn't participate in the pro day. And I know he was frustrated about that and it sucks with as kind of limited as his role in the passing game was for Ohio State, who, if you knew anything about Ohio State, they do not throw to their tight ends. The fact that Jeremy Ruckert got as many targets as he did uh, was a real testament to what the Packers, uh, Packers, the Buckeyes, thought of him. Luke Farrell, who was a third, fourth round pick, I think, last year for the Jaguars, uh, was also He was kind of their receiving tight end um, when he was there. And I always thought that Jeremy Ruckert was the uh, much better receiving tight end. But he also plays a, a heavier role in blocking. You know, Ohio State has so many freaking wide receivers. Uh, and they throw to the tight end so little. I don't think Ohio State is ever going to get a good tight end recruit. Because there's no incentive if you're a tight end to ever go there. However, side note. Keep your eye out on G. Scott. G. Scott currently attends Ohio State. He is a wide receiver, or he committed as a wide receiver. And the boy kept growing and growing. And finally, the coaches told him, you're going to have to convert to tight end. You are too big to be a wide receiver. Here's the crazy thing, though. So he uh, packed on a ton of muscle. He is freakishly tall. And he is still lightning quick. When he runs, he uh, how tall is he? Let me see here. Okay, G Scott Jr. height. He is. Uh, we don't actually know. He was six three a couple years ago, uh, but he he has since put on. I don't know how 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 tall he is. I think he's at least six five now at this point. We'll see. Um, But when he runs, he looks like one of those small wide receivers who just can dart around the field. It's crazy how fast he is. We'll have to see how good of a player he is, but just as an athlete, that's a guy to keep an eye on. I don't know if he's going to turn into an NFL player. He couldn't even get on the field last year because he was busy converting to um, tight end and he was too big to be a wide receiver. And they had three wide receivers who were so good that they chased Jamin Williams out of town. uh, Jameson Williams and he was too small to be a useful tight end. So we'll see what he does this year and we'll see if he turns into a player who's worth watching. But anyway, so Jeremy Ruckert, I like it. Uh, I think it's probably not the smartest choice in round three, but I, you know, who I've always compared Jeremy Ruckert to is, uh, Robert Tunyon on like a good day. When he, when Tunyon has one of those days where he's kind of going off and catching a lot of passes and really contributing in the blocking game, Um, that's kind of who Jeremy Ruckert is. So, you know, maybe, maybe if the Packers are looking for another Robert Tunyon, this is the guy. Isaiah Thomas edge. Uh, I think I already talked about him. I think, when did I talk about him? Was he on, uh, did I have him classified as a defensive tackle? I feel like I mentioned his name earlier. Uh, who were we even looking at? Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. I got him as a D lineman. So that's interesting hang on a second let's let's check this out on my big board he's listed as a d lineman uh the draft network has him as an edge this to me looks like just kind of a preemptive move by the draft network because he's a big boy he's six foot three quarters call it six five, 258 pounds not that you can't have an edge rusher of that size but i see why they would project that he would move inside. Uh man this is really fascinating. I had never noticed his size before. Um just in terms of like whether he's actually a good fit to be a an edge rusher. Uh really good RAS at 9.2 and I think that that was actually measuring him as a uh an edge rusher not an interior guy. So that's even more impressive if he's on the interior. Isaiah Thomas should be Quite a bit earlier than pick one fifty four. If that's the case, his PFF grade on defense was seventy seven point two. His pass rush grade was a seventy seven point four. Basically the same. He did have over a ten percent pressure rate. Uh, Thirty four pressures on three hundred twenty seven attempts. Eight sacks, twenty one hurries, five hits, three forced fumbles. Again. Well, I guess, you know, if you're going to play on the outside, you care. You do care about his coverage grade because you're going to have him on tight ends as much as Packer fans hate the idea of, oh, sh- my goodness, just spare me the thought of an outside linebacker playing in coverage. It's like you think we have defensive ends or something, which we don't. Uh, 63.8 coverage grade, which is, uh, you know, average uh, run defense. 69.6. So this is a little bit lower than his pass rush grade. Uh, 41 tackling grade. Don't like to see that, but he would fit right in with uh, the uh, defenders that we have in Green Bay. 31% missed tackle rate. That's terrible. And if you're going to play him on the inside, I have massive problems with him missing 31% of his tackles. Um, 13 missed tackles. Uh, but he did have 24 stops, which looks like it's about average with the defensive tackles um so isaiah thomas man that's really interesting i think i think the really big question is whether you play him inside or outside if he's gonna play outside i think that's actually his better fit because he's a good pass rusher he's he's good enough in coverage that you feel fine about it at six five that's pretty big for an outside linebacker um i don't know how I feel, how i feel about that but it looks like his skill set doesn't It's like his skill set and his body don't quite match up. Super freaky athletic. Ah, Man, I'd be tempted to put him on the outside. A six foot five edge rusher is really interesting, (laughs) but he's got that crazy athleticism. He's a 9.2 RAS as an edge rusher at six foot five. That is just really interesting to me. Um, I like the pick. Yeah, go Isaiah Thomas. Um, you kind of reeling me back in with these later picks in your draft here, Jack. Um, you got a bunch of other guys that you took here who I'm not going to do because you did a full seven round mock and I want to get to some other people's drafts, but I did notice uh safety Marquise bell, who's a guy I really like. Uh, let me see what school did he go to? I like uh, Marquise bell a lot. He is kind of higher on my safeties list. I safety is one of the positions that I have uh, kind of scouted the most, I have him as my 11th best safety. He's out of Florida A&M, which is uh, obviously a super small school. Um, But his RAS is 953. He's 6'2", 212 pounds, which is a fine size for a safety. And his PFF grade was an 81.5. So I like him. I think especially what round did you take him in? Uh, looks like a sixth round pick for a sixth round pick. Absolutely. Give me Marquise bell every day of the week. Let's move on to David Davis. Took, he traded up. Wow. He traded all the way up to pick 10 and it cost him both first round picks. So the guy he took better be really worth it. The guy he took is Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson, Drake London. Those are, you know, wide receiver one, a and one B. I think, uh, if you take Garrett Wilson at pick 10, that's probably about where you would have had to take him. I don't see him falling much further than that. Um, so my, my hope here is just that Garrett Wilson is as good as advertised. And I'm just curious. Let me look at the rest of the draft, that's the only wide receiver you took, which is fine. I think I would probably have liked to take at least like a fourth round receiver as well. Uh, because if you're going to have Garrett Wilson here and you spend that much on him, I'd like to have somebody uh, opposite him to draw some attention as well. But maybe you're counting on um, signing a veteran, which I think they will do. So I don't hate it. I think with as few wide receivers as we have, I really would have liked to take another wide receiver later as well. But you traded up. You you know, essentially spent both first round picks on one wide receiver. So I get not wanting to allocate even more draft capital to that position. I just think that this is maybe a situation where if you spend a fourth round pick on a wide receiver, you're making that uh, first wide receiver you took a little bit more valuable because he's not going to soak up all the double teams. Kingsley Enigbare at Edge. And it just dawned on me that I only think that's how you pronounce his name because I've never watched him, but I've read a lot of scouting reports and I've, I've seen highlight reels of him. Uh, so how much can I speak to how good he is? Uh, Well, I have him as my, oops, let me sort this the right way. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Ah, he's low. He's my, uh, 11th edge rusher just looking at, uh, draft profiles. But again, I haven't watched him. Uh, I think I would probably... Uh, Kingsley and my J. Sanders, I view as really similar players. Uh, the thing with Kingsley, he's projected to be a late second round pick at 61 by the same spot that you're going to be taking Nick Benito. I'd rather have Oklahoma's Nick Benito and more than either of those guys. I really like Sam Williams out of Ole Miss, who is a currently a late third round pick on the big board. So I don't hate the Kingsley pick. I just, um, you know, I've, I've watched Nick Benito and Sam Williams. I like both of them um, better on paper than I like Kingsley. And the fact that I think Sam Williams is going to go later than Kingsley is why I maybe would have taken him instead. But what do you, what is there to like about Kingsley? He has a little bit lower RAS. This is why I have not watched him yet. He was lower on my list. He's a 7.4 every Edge rusher in this draft, who is higher on the consensus board, has a, see, the lowest would be, uh, George Karloftis has an 8.73. Everybody else was at least a 9. So Kingsley at 7.4. You can see why he's um, low enough on my list that I haven't really watched him yet. And there are even a few edge rushers. I see four edge rushers later than Kingsley who have um, higher than a 9. The lowest of that is 9.46. So Kingsley, Enigbare, uh, South Carolina, that is an SEC school. They played a really good ske- schedule this year. they going up against some great offensive lines. Um, what was his PFF grade? Uh, 88.5. That's pretty encouraging, including a 92.5 pass rush grade. Um, wow, he was a pressure monster. He played 257 uh, pass rush snaps so you want to see at least 25 pressures he had 45 love to see that 4 sacks, 25 hurries, 16 hits, a forced fumble uh, above average in coverage at a 66.6 um, he was targeted one time and did give up that reception so that's not great 100% catch rate Um, that went for 10 yards so that was a first down um, let's see, snap counts. What is this? Snap counts. What? What word is it? Coverage. Okay. Uh, 18. So he wasn't in coverage very often, which, you know, for, I think, I think, I think there are four, three front. So he would be a defensive end. So it's not quite the same as being a three, four. Uh, let's see. What about run defense? 68.1. Yeah. Average ish. 69 tackling grade. Nice. It's a little bit low, but uh, let's see. 12.2 missed tackle rate. That's pretty low. I see two guys who have better than that. We got, um, who is this? Jermaine Johnson and Aiden Hutchinson. So out of the top 11, actually call it like 15, uh, edge rushers in this class, he had the third best. Uh, Miss tackle rate, so that's good. Nineteen stops. Man, I'm look I'm at the right, right guy. Yeah, uh, nineteen stops, five missed tackles, twenty-eight tackles overall. You know what? There is a lot to like about Kingsley. Um, I think the uh, the limited athlete athleticism. You know, it's is a seven-point-four average, is like four and a half. So it's not terrible. It's just considerably lower than everybody else. The uh, lower athleticism but better production, says to me he's a much more skilled player. I think this is a guy I'm going to have to add to list and watch a bit. Uh, CBS has him as their 38th best player. PFF has him as 45. So uh, you know what? I like the pick. I'm going to have to watch him, but on paper, I like the pick. Next up, we have our second, second round pick, our old buddy Abraham Lucas, Washington State tackle. Don't need to talk about him again. We got Jojo Doman, linebacker out of Nebraska. Jojo Doman. uh, Okay, I'm going to pull this up and look at it. I remember not being a fan of Jojo at all. What did I not like about him? Uh, Let's see. Notes. So Doman. Where's Doman? Here we go. Consensus. uh, They have him around pick 120. He is my linebacker. Is this about 12. he went to Nebraska Nebraska had a pretty horrible defense uh he's six foot one what position is this again linebacker six foot one 228 pounds that's a little on the short side again he sticks out like a sore thumb when you look at the RS everybody else from picks let's see uh, the earliest linebacker you have is Devin Lloyd at 19. Down to Jojo Doman at 119. Every other guy on this list has a 9 RS or better. Jojo is the only guy who is down at an 8 flat. Uh, let's see. Right after Jojo, you got Jesse Lucchetta from Penn State, Terrell Bernard from Baylor, uh, Mike Rose from Iowa State, and Zacoby McLean. From Auburn, McLean had a four-three, which is below average. Those guys all have um, not great RASs either. I mean, eight is nothing to sneeze at for JoJo, but it just it's it sticks out when you're looking at all the other top linebackers. I have these all color coded. Everybody's blue except JoJo is the only green uh, guy in RAs. So CBS has him at one ninety-three. Uh, he's projected to go at 119 PFF has him as their 88th best player. Uh, let's see. He had an 87.3 PFF grade. It looks to me who's doing this draft. Is this David? This is David. Yeah. David Um, looks to me like David really consults PFF grades when he drafts. Cause all of his guys have high PFF grades. Uh, let's see liability and coverage. Uh, he allowed an 82.1 reception, or a catch rate, which is not great. He allowed 32 receptions in 2021. That right there is a massive red flag to me. I'm wondering what the heck PFF graded him so highly on. He had a 72 pass rush grade. He only rushed the passer 25 times. Got home nine times out of that, which for a linebacker, you're usually coming on a blitz. Uh, you would expect him to get home like... A quarter of the time he's higher than a quarter, so that's fine. Let's see, catch rate was horrible 82%. Uh, run defense is where he kind of excels 83 grade, 74 tackling grade, only 10 missed tackles, which is slightly better than average in that. Uh, in all the other linebackers who are taken ahead of him, seven missed tackles, 24 stops. Um, which actually is quite low. Linebackers tend to have more stops than uh, edge rushers and uh, defensive tackles. Don't ask me why, because I have no clue. But they do. Actually, I'm trying to see. I don't. Uh, the nobody taken ahead of him has fewer stops than he does. The lowest that I see here is 31, and he has 24. But uh, his grade is good uh, when it comes to run defense. So, Jojo. I will say is the first player on this list who I definitely dislike, but that's fine. Uh, this is another draft where we have a uh, this time a fifth round pick taken on safety Marquis Bell out of Florida, and him uh, another guy I like. So, uh, David, uh, I'm going to give this g- draft some of the later guys that you took, like the special teamer type guys. I'm not super familiar with, so. I think I'm just going to give you like average for those guys because I just don't know. I don't want to hurt you one way or the other. Uh, I'm going to give this like a B, C plus, C plus. I don't hate the trade up for Garrett Wilson, um, especially if, if your opinion is that he is not only the best wide receiver, but the only top-tier wide receiver, which I think is a case you could make, and I know David is an Ohio State fan, so I can see why he liked Garrett Wilson, Um, but the not taking a second wide receiver later, I think, means that Garrett's job is just going to be a little bit harder. Um, I think it's interesting so many people are taking Abraham Lucas at the back of the second round. Just a really interesting consensus pick, but I don't hate it. I really don't. Let's see. Um, can't do Joe because we already did Joe, and he submitted several. Oh, let's see this one. So this is uh, what's this person's name? On Twitter, it just says uh, Jano Hive, and the handle is Big Bro Twenty One. I don't know what your name is, but I see you on Twitter all the time. Look at the first few picks. Chris Olave at twenty-two. I think he's gonna go around there, maybe even earlier. Um, so if you want to take him, I don't think he's gonna fall uh Lewis scene, my favorite safety taken at pick 28. I think this is an interesting one. if the Packers do this, you know I think this clearly signals the end of Adrian Amos in Green Bay. Regardless, I think I think it is time to take a safety and for me it all depends on when you're anticipating moving on from Amos. Are you gonna give him another couple years after this contract? If so, then I, then I think you can maybe take a later safety just to be that rotational third safety. But if you're not, then you do need to take a guy, uh, I would say, as early as 28. That makes sense. Lewisine is my top safety in this draft. There's a couple guys who I like almost as well as Lewis, but Lewis is my favorite, uh, Georgia. George Pickens we've talked about a lot is there is uh, Janos' first second-round pick. And then Isaiah Likely is the second second-round pick now. Likely is my uh, top tight end in this class. But I think that the top like four tight ends are all very comparable to each other. I think you could take uh, any one of them in any order and I'd mostly be okay with it. Uh, I think uh, Trey McBride, there's a bit of Trey and his ranking where I'm just paying some respect to like the opinion of everybody else in the world. (laughs) who has Trey McBride as their tight end one. I'm not sure that I can put him up in the same tier as my other first three guys. Uh, Jelani Woods, Isaiah likely. And, uh, who's it? Charlie Kohler, Charlie Kohler. Yeah. Charlie Kohler. And Charlie is my favorite tight end, by the way. I just think he's maybe not quite as well-rounded as the other guys. One massive, Advantage with Isaiah Likely over everybody else except, eh, you know, you could uh, quibble over Jeremy Rucker and Trey McBride. Isaiah Likely is only 21 years old. Jelani Woods, Charlie Kohler, Austin Allen, Peyton Hendershot, Jake Ferguson, Chase Allen, Kate Otten. These guys are all 23 years old. Trey McBride is 22. He's about to turn 23. Isaiah Likely and Jeremy Rucker are both 21. So, this is the nice thing is that if you took Jelani Woods or any of these, Jelani, I think is the oldest of the bunch. He's nearly 24. A lot of these tight ends are considerably older. And so by the time they're wrapping up their rookie contract, they're in their very late 20s, like 27, 28. And I, you know, Packers just like younger players. I mean, Kenny Clark is still like 22 years old, basically. <laughs> Uh, so Isaiah likely being 21. I think that that gives him maybe a considerable leg up on the other guys. A uh, couple knocks on Isaiah. I remember Isaiah is my tight end one. So I'm not, you know, super disagreeing with the pick Isaiah. So he's six foot four. That is shorter than most tight ends. Uh, basically every tight end ever is six foot five, 250 pounds. Like that's every single one of them. So Isaiah is a little bit smaller at six four two forty five. 245. His RAS is five three three. He went to Coastal Carolina, which of course is in the Sun Belt. Um, his grade uh, was a ninety three point three. Oh, gorgeous! Love it. Good run blocker. Um, is this grades? Yeah. Uh, pass blocking was was okay. It was uh, just slightly north of average, but uh, definitely a good run blocker, which. The only guy here who has a really incredible run-blocking grade is Derek Deese of San Jose State, which is in the uh, Mountain West Conference, I believe. Yeah. Anyways, Isaiah Lakely. I like him a lot. Uh, and then uh, Jano wrapped up the draft by taking MyJ Sanders. We talked about him a bit a little earlier. myJ. He's uh, projected to go at pick 70. He is my edge rusher 10. He's from Cincinnati who had a really good defense this year. He's a senior. He is, uh, I don't have his age, but he is six five, two 228 pounds, 918 RAS. We are talking about him and comparing him to Kingsley and Igbari because those two guys are projected to go very similar uh, places to each other in the draft. I have them as 10 and 11, so I gave my J a slight edge over Kingsley, Um, largely because of the athleticism. Uh, If you're comparing grades, uh, very similar. They're both in the 80s. Uh, Both of them are pressure machines. We talked about Kingsley's high pressure rate. My J's is also high. He had 389 pass rush attempts, so you want him to be at 38, call it 39. Or more, he had 62, so that's fantastic. Five sacks, 54 hurries, three hits, one forced fumble. Looks like just about everybody has one forced fumble except for who's this? Was five? Uh, David Ajabo has five forced fumbles, pretty impressive. That's what I'm really interested to see where David Jabbo goes, because for a long time he was like a consensus. What like 15? Pick fifteen, somewhere really stupid high that I didn't really agree agree with. And the injury I think is gonna maybe force him down the list to kind of more where he should have been probably drafted anyways, based on his talent. I think he's a good player. I just he I think he's limited athletically. You know, he's one of those guys who is a real technician and just kind of just tries really hard, fights on every snap, and I like that just kind of limited athletically. I think that he benefited just an insane amount from having Aiden Hutchinson there. So uh, I like the pick in the third round. Uh, We'll see if we can uh, finally turn around this uh, uh, third round trend. Here's another Joe W. Joe W won, by the way. I can't remember if I told you guys on the podcast or just on Twitter, but he submitted a bunch. So (laughs) we're not going to do him again. Uh, Here, let's do Pedro. Pedro, uh, how do you say your last name? Nascimento? Nassim, Chris Olave at pick 22. Louis seen at pick 28. I feel like we just did this. But I'm pulling this draft out to look at a couple new names on the list. Drake Jackson and Darian Kinnard are the two second-round picks. These are two guys who I like a lot. Drake Jackson should be on my same list right here. Yep, here he is. He, he, so he's my edge rusher five. I have him just behind Arnold Ebikidi, Jermaine Johnson, Kayvon Thibodeau, and Aiden Hutchinson. Now, those first four names, I think all will or are going to go in the first round. I actually have him ahead of George Karloftis, who... Arnold Ebikidi and George Karloftis, I think, are really interesting guys to compare to each other. You got Purdue and Penn State, both Big Ten schools. George Karloftis, I think, is widely seen as being more likely to go early than Arnold Ebikidi. Here's my here's the big thing that I always come down to with these two guys and why I consistently rank Arnold higher than George. I'm an Ohio State fan. I got to watch the Buckeyes play against both Purdue and Penn State. And I will tell you that Arnold Ebikidi uh, brought a sack lunch for uh, Nicholas Petit Frere and made him look silly all day, uh, as well as DeWan Jones. Um, The uh, Ohio State tackles had a very bad day against Penn State, which kind of foreshadowed what happened in Michigan. Against Purdue, George Karloftis was invisible. It's just, to me, you can say whatever you want to about their film and about their measurables and stuff, but when you go up against the same player and one of you handles him with ease... And then the other guy can't do anything. I mean, I don't remember if he even had a pressure that day, George Karloffis. Basically, nobody was even saying it. The announcers weren't even saying his name. That just said a lot to me. And I just, I can't rank George Karloffis ahead of Arnold Ibikidi. Right in the middle of those two guys, I have Drake Jackson from USC. He's uh, 6'3", 254. I think he's hurt right now because we don't have his RAS. CBS has him as the their 58th best player. PFF has him as 47. His consensus uh, mock selection right now is 56. Uh, do, 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 scroll away over here. His PFF grade, 82.3. Uh, do, 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 pass rush grade, 88.3. He had 26 pressures on 179 attempts, so that is good. Six sacks, 17 hurries, three hits, one forced fumble. He is exceptional in coverage. He had a 70.7 coverage grade, which for uh, for an edge rusher, that's pretty good. Uh, he did allow 60% catch rate, which is okay, actually. Um, it's kind of average. Three receptions uh, for 24 yards. He did have an interception as well. That's pretty cool. He also had a pass breakup. So two big, big plays compared to three receptions that he allowed. Uh, I'm okay with that. Uh, Let's see. That was out of uh, 36 snaps in coverage. He only allowed three receptions for 24 yards. That's, that's not terrible. If you, if you showed me a cornerback with those numbers, I think I probably would not be super ticked off. Didn't allow any touchdowns. Oh, where are we? Let's see. Actually, when I said 24 yards, no, 24 yards was the long. So it was actually 37 yards, and 24 of those 37 all came on one. So on the other two receptions that he allowed, there was only an additional 13 yards. So that's not terrible. Looks like 16 yards total came after the catch. Uh, Let's see, five targets, three receptions. So he's he's definitely decent in coverage for an outsider. Uh, I'm fine with that. Run defense, he's got a 70.4 grade. Who is this, Drake Jackson? Yeah, Drake Jackson. 66.8 tackling grade. It's 12 missed tackles. Sorry, four missed tackles, which is a 12.1 missed tackle rate. He had 18 stops on 23 tackles. That's a really high stop rate. So I like Drake. Like I said, I have him as my fifth best edge rusher. Uh, I think if we're taking him here, it was this back of the second. Uh, Yeah, pick 53. I'm more than okay with that. And then on the other side of the ball, you got tackle Darian Kinnard. Darian is an interesting guy for me. Uh, I have him relatively high in my group of like um, second round. Um offensive linemen. There's a big pile of second round offensive linemen who are all really interesting to me. Like Jamari Salier is in there, Ed Ingram. Darian Kinnard is 6'4, nearly 6'5, 324 pounds. Uh, the question is would you line him up at tackle or guard? I think that probably he projects better uh on the interior which is fine because I think we need more bodies there anyways. And and I'm not mad about taking a starting guard at the back of the second round. This is a guy who who would be a starting guard in year one. Uh, He played some fantastic competition this year. Uh, Let's see. Florida, LSU, Georgia. These are some mean defensive lines, especially Georgia. Uh, Now, he didn't do great against Georgia, but whatever. Now, the one thing he's not... Quite as great at is pass protection. That's something you need to coach up. Uh, he's a really, really, really good. Um, I said run defender. What am I trying to say? Run blocker. Really good run blocker, which is nice because that's the number one thing I really want to upgrade in our offensive line. <laughs> uh, he's got a nice lateral lateral mobility. Uh, just sets his weight down really low in his feet. Uh, kind of hard to move. And then of course he got the upside of. He does have the size that he could play on the outside if you need to. And I think to start the year before Elton comes back, you would want to start him on the outside and then move him inside when Elton comes back. That is um, how I would handle that. Uh, after that, so the other guy who Pedro took that I think is really interesting to talk about is Chigazia Mkwanku. He's a tight end. He is my tight end um 10 and he kind of projects a lot more as an h-back which we kind of already have like a a starter f h-back in josiah de i was really excited to watch his film because after reading all the draft profiles the scouting reports on him i thought i was gonna love this dude and i will say he's he's a decent route runner and he's got uh, a bunch of really uh, nice quick catches uh, in the open field. He runs really hard, um, kind of hard to bring down. I just, I didn't, I guess I, I don't know. I, I like Josiah a lot more. I really do. Chig is exciting. There's a guy last year, Tommy Tremble, who went to the Panthers in like the third round or something, who I made a lot of comparisons to when I was just uh, reading the reports about Chig. I don't know. I a lot of the time, Chig is like wide open um, when he makes his plays. And so it's kind of hard for me to gauge what's he going to do when he's actually got defenders draped all over him. And I don't like that. It's one of the reasons why I don't super love watching Jamison Williams is that, you know, he's so fast and so he just runs away from the defenders. And that's fine in college, but you're not going to be able to do that in the NFL. Not consistently. So what can you do when you're not Wide open because the uh, cornerback on you runs like a four six eight. You see what I'm saying? Not that there's a ton of four six eight corners in the league, but you, you get my point. Wasn't thrilled with him as a run blocker. I thought he was okay. Uh, I think that he's kind of got the willingness to block, which I like, but it just always looks sloppy and clunky to me. I just I was really expecting him to wow me a lot more than he did. Uh, it felt like a lot of times he'd he'd block okay for like a second, and then the guy would just beat him and get right past, and that was frustrating to watch. So I didn't love that, especially if you're going to be the H back, you know we're we're expecting you to do a lot of run blocking, and to you know to to also not have the ability here to um, assess how good you're going to do um, as a receiver when there's defenders on you. I don't know. I I just didn't love him. Having said that, the skill set that he is supposed to be good at and that other people saw when they watched him, that does excite me. So if the Packers draft him, I will be excited because I will just immediately assume that the Packers also saw what some of these other scouts saw that I didn't and that they think it will translate really well. But, you know, let me see. What round did you draft him in? Uh, Please say it's not the third round. Oh. No, it's not the third round. It's uh, back of the fourth round. So we can escape the third round curse, and uh, he should be a stud. Those fourth round players turn out really well for the Packers. All right, last one, and then we're done. This is my boy Goose. Goose. Did I already do this one last week? Maybe I did. doesn't matter. We're going to talk about these players because I love them, and I don't remember doing this one. Uh, So starting off with Zion Johnson at pick 22. I'm starting to get the feeling that Zion is not going anywhere near pick 22. I think he might be gone well before we are on the clock. I love Zion Johnson. Uh, This is probably the offensive lineman I'm the most excited about in this draft. Uh, This is a guy I, again, I think you plug him in as your starting right tackle to begin the year, maybe even for the full year. And then um, next year when Elton comes back, or if he does come back in the middle of the year, then you kick Zion inside, and he got some nice flexibility here in that either one of these guys can play a uh, tackle for you. I, I think Kenyon, or Kenyon, uh, Zion would be fine on the um, outside long-term. Uh, he's a little bit shorter at 6'3", but he's 312 pounds, um, 974 RAS. He is... Um, number 31 for CBS, number 32 for PFF. He is consensus 29 on the big board, and I disagree with that strongly. I think he's going to be gone close to pick 20. Uh, let's see. Fantastic grades across the board. Um, mid-80s on uh, pass blocking and run blocking. Six pressures allowed, two hits, one sack, three hurries. I think even if that was his stats for the year in the NFL, you'd be fine with it. Um, This is just a dude who I would be over the moon about, and, and I would just laugh at everybody who was upset that we hadn't taken a wide receiver with our first pick. Zion Johnson, I think, would transform this offensive line. And here's the nice thing, is that if he has Zion and Elton, that maybe gives you some flexibility to... I'm not gonna say move on from David Bakhtiari, but to have some uh, relief in your heart <laughs> about what you would do if uh, Bakhtiari is unavailable, just I'm just saying the guy, you know, he's getting up there in age and does have a bit of an injury bug at this point. I just. Not putting anything out in the universe. I'm just saying it's nice to have a little bit more depth besides just Yash, who I do like. But Zion, a pick 22, I'd be over the moon about. Then Goose takes Devontae Wyatt at 28. Um, Devontae Wyatt, I don't think that defensive tackle is uh, one of our top needs. But I think that he is such an exceptional football player that if he's there at 28, you kind of, I would almost say you have to take him. Unless somebody else insanely good falls there as well. And I'm guessing based on the way this board fell, that um, Goose did not like the wide receivers at any of these early picks. Uh, So this makes sense. You take the best player available. And I think Zion Johnson and Devontae Wyatt are transformative players who uh, would be just staples of this roster for years to come. At pick 53, he takes Trey McBride. Again, I said Trey McBride. He is in my top four tight ends. I have him, I would I would say, just slightly behind Charlie Kohler, a Likely, and Jelani Woods. But there's a lot of upside with Trey McBride. He's uh, one of the younger guys, freak athlete, um, and just insane production out there at Colorado State. Now, it was Colorado State, and that is one of my big knocks against him. The other thing I didn't love, uh, it, it, he's one of those guys who seems to go down really quickly when you try and tackle him. And I just don't love that. And I didn't see him making a ton of, um, you know, contested catches. He, he again, kind of just feels a little bit like a guy. You maybe have to scheme open a bit, but I do like this addition of a proven uh, receiving threat. And with his next pick, he takes Alec Pierce. I am extraordinarily high on Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati wide receiver. This dude plays hard. Alec Pierce lays his body on the line like you wouldn't believe and just pile drives through guys in a way that I, I think Drake London is maybe the only other guy I see who does it like this. A lot of people making Jordy Nelson comparisons out there. So if that excites you, there's that uh, Alec Pierce and Trey McBride. I don't know that that is enough in and of itself to bolster the receiving core, but in the fourth round, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because we got to come back into the third round, but in the fourth round, Goose takes Charlie Kohler, another just monster nightmare as a receiving matchup. Charlie Kohler is maybe one of the best receiving tight ends in this draft. And like I said, he's my favorite tight end. I think Trey McBride and Charlie Kohler are together. I mean, this is like you're going to get a, uh, a Mark Andrews, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz level receiving tight end. Out of one of these two, I I think almost no question, which would be phenomenal. And and Patrick Mahomes made it work for years with just Travis Kelsey and um, Tyreek. So I like this move. You got three uh, pass catchers in the first four rounds. I do like that. And I think that Alec Pierce is one of the most single most underrated receivers in this class. I have him very high on my list. Goose also took in the third round. We're going back. He took Leo Chanel out of Wisconsin. I probably don't have to tell you who that is. Um, I'm usually not a big fan of Wisconsin players. I just, you know, sorry. I'm just usually not. I think Leo is a good player. I think Leo in the third round is fine value and it'd be nice to stick uh, him next to Devondre and get a little bit of upgrade over Chris Barnes. And I think Chris Barnes is still going to play a ton of snaps anyways because last year you had Ty Summers and Oren Burks taking an absurd number of snaps as well. So uh, I think you're just adding a third really good linebacker who I think is would be better than Chris Barnes. So that's great. Our old buddy Isaiah Thomas in round four already put a kind of a stamp of approval on him. Kevin Austin Jr., wide receiver out at Notre, Notre Dame, is uh, the first fifth round pick for Goose. And Kevin Austin... Here's the big knock against him. Let me sort this by just wide receiver. The big knock against him is he did have kind of a low catch rate at just 60%. which is substantially lower than anybody who is projected to be drafted earlier than him. And uh, actually for the next five receivers taken off the board. Uh, low number of first down receptions. He had 70 targets that he hauled in, uh, 42 receptions on. So he was not utilized a ton. Um, he has 72.4 grade on offense. He was out wide 78% of the time, only in the slot 21% of the time. You like to see that. Average depth of target was 14 yards, which is pretty deep. There's only one, two, three guys uh, in the top. Wow like 30, like 40 actually. Uh, let's see. I'm missing. There's a couple of 15s in here, but uh, that's still really high. Um, there's a 14, seven and a 17, one, but he's a 14, seven as well. So tied right there. So uh, you got these two 15s and a 17. So he's tied for third place. Six avoided tackles. Um, catch. Let's see. Contested catches only won 52% of those. But you know it's more than half. Uh, he had five drops, uh, which I don't love. But there's other wide receivers who I do like who had more drops than that. Uh, his uh, let's see run blocking was a sixty grade, so you know coach him up a bit. Um, ba-ba-ba-bum. okay, let's go back to his body type though. Here's what I like about him: he's a, he's he's projected to go really late. He's a consensus. Uh, 204 overall. He is uh, CBS's player 344, PFF's 158. That is a drastic uh, disagreement between those two <laughs> on him. He's 6'2", two, 200 pounds, so he's got some decent weight to him. Played at Notre Dame, nice big school the Packers really like drafting from. He had a 993 RAS. I think that uh, this guy is still on the board Packers are going to be interested in taking him. Do I have his 40 time? I do not have his 40 time. I think he got hurt. Uh, let me see. Well, no, not really. He had um, two foot fractures in 2020. Why don't I have his 40 time? Looks like he ran an unofficial four. four oh, that, this is at the combine. I guess I just. Uh, oh, it's you know what? It's because he's got the junior in his name. And so. um when I imported everybody's, it didn't find him because he was just listed as Kevin Austin. So he had a four four three. I'm going to enter this in here. Uh, pretty average, I guess, but not certainly not dis- disqualifying. Uh, four four three is fine. So, but the, it, this is a guy I like absolutely a lot, and I think uh, probably the reason that uh, Goose has heard of him is because Ryan has talked about him uh, on the podcast before. So. Uh, let see. Anybody else we should wrap up with on Goose's draft? A uh, bunch of special teamers after that. I like this draft a lot. Well done, Goose. Uh, for me, you're getting an A grade on this. Uh, I, I like that you weren't reaching on guys just to fill needs when they were not falling the way that uh, the Packer fans might have wanted. And you went ahead and just took really good players with your, I mean, gosh. Three, four, five, I mean, six out of your first seven picks, I would say, are just fantastic players, um, and, and Trey McBride isn't awful at all. Um, I think if you had only taken Trey McBride, I probably would have um, complained more, but the fact that you also took Charlie Kohler, I just, I can't be mad. You got my boy, Charlie. He's so good. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you a pass for Trey and, and hope that Trey turns out to be as good as advertised. Alrighty. That does it for me today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into this one. Uh, for all five of you who did, <laughs> uh, super appreciate hanging out with you. Super appreciate the uh, mock drafts that you sent in. Uh, again, looking forward to talking to you guys on next Wednesday. We got those interviews. Again, patreon.com slash JJ um, Leahy. Love all you guys who are giving me some support on there already. I uh, got some. Uh, Equipment I really really would like to buy. Uh, I was kind of joking about the uh, therapist part. Um, But uh, some equipment, computing and and sound recording and stuff that I really would like to upgrade. So I appreciate anybody who is uh, helping out there. Follow me on Twitter, at JJLahey. Send me questions. Engage with me. Talk to me. I love talking Packers. Super obsessed with the draft right now. I will catch you guys on Wednesday. Peace out.